0: because you'll forget later, and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it, and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much, and enjoy today's show. Hey there, job Junkies. Welcome back to another Espresso Shots episode of Tea for Sea. If you're interested in learning more about how to break into technical or non-technical roles in tech or engineering, then this is the episode for you because my next guest is an engineer and an innovative technology leader by day and a career transition specialist by night. But before I introduce you to Adam Broda, a senior manager in the tech industry and founder of Broda Coaching, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's Time for Coffee's newsletter that breaks down career advice and insights from the professionals who are actually in the industries that most interest you. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website. At time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my espresso-loving engineers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Adam Broda, a senior manager of product management in the tech industry at a big company we aren't naming here because Adam doesn't want his work there to be seen as conflicting with his side hustle coaching business. Prior to working at this unnamed company as a senior manager of product management, Adam worked as a senior manager of wellness technology at Amazon, where he helped to build the wellness technology organization there from the ground up. And prior to Amazon, Adam worked at another giant company based in the Pacific Northwest. Only this one is in the aerospace industry called Boeing. Adam started off at Boeing right out of school, right out of undergrad, as a tooling engineer. And over almost eight years, he was promoted up the ranks to become a senior production engineering manager for Boeing's additive manufacturing. And I have absolutely no idea what that means. We're going to be digging into some of this in our main T4C interview. So check out show notes to see if Adam's main Time for Coffee episode has already dropped. Adam, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I'm
1: so caffeinated and excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Well, you are not in Starbucks land this morning. You just shared with me that you're actually here on the East Coast, which is also Starbucks land, but I'm talking about Starbucks headquarters. So (laughs) you're usually out in Washington State, but you're here on the East Coast to be with your in-laws, I guess.
1: That's right. Yeah, we got some exciting changes going on in the Broda family over the next couple months, and taking some time to eventually line up a move. So we just had our second baby, and we'll be we'll be relocating here in the next twelve months, trying to figure out the details of that. But that's part of the reason why we're on the East Coast for a bit is getting some of that ironed out. Nice, times. nice. So maybe
0: we could actually meet up for a real coffee one day. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome and I'm sure like I'm I'm good with babies so you can bring the baby with you and <laughs> they sleep under the table anyway in their car seat they're Deal. they travel well at this age. Okay, so we are going to focus these espresso shots Adam on breaking into entry level roles either in engineering or non-technical positions in the tech industry or beyond. What does that encompass?
1: I think it, 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 the most important thing to discuss when we talk about transitioning is is the start and then the path. Now, I talk about this a lot, but you really need to define what good looks like before you begin a job search because it's a lot of time. Time is our most valuable asset, and you don't want to end up in a career that doesn't set you up for long-term success. And I have clients that come through the door that have this problem, right? That let's just say they guessed wrong the first time, or maybe the first, second, and third time. And now they're making that transition because they want to reset. The closer you can get to what good looks like, the better. So frame that conversation. The way I do that is there's four pillars, right? Try to find a job that allows you to work on something you're passionate about, a job that allows you to work on skills that you are good at, right? Find a a role that allows you to do things that you can excel at. It's going to make the next job easier. Find an environment that fits for the work-life balance you want, whether that's fully remote or hybrid or you're in an office or a research lab, figure that out. And then the last one is compensation, right? You could have all three of those other pillars and not be compensated fairly and you've got a problem. So that's really what I would say is start out with and then the next component is defining that path. And I think that's what we're going to talk about through the rest of this interview. So
0: what is a great way for an undergrad maybe somebody who doesn't have the impressive internships that you had, Adam, when you were an undergrad at Virginia Tech. What is a great way for them to get their foot in the door? Is there an overlooked or an undervalued entry-level job that student job seekers maybe should put at the top of their list?
1: There's tons. There's tons. And and every company has A different title for that role. This is where doing your research pays, right? Uh, At at Amazon, which is one of the largest companies in the world, there was a role called program coordinator. And you could literally get in the door with almost any background in that job. It was the step down from an entry level PM, so like a program manager. Uh, Google has them. Again, most of the tech companies in the FANG space have those roles. The title often varies, but something around coordination or project program management is often where I would say, if you're not not sure what you want to do, you just want to get in the door, take a look there, right? Business analyst is another really good role and and there's others. So that's where I you could start.
0: Cool. For our listeners who aren't familiar with FANG, that stands for Facebook. They obviously screwed it up because now it's meta, so it's MANG. (laughs)
1: Right. Right.
0: (laughs) Apple... Amazon, Google, and Google is Apple is alphabet now, which really screws. Okay. So it's Big Facebook, tech. Apple, Amazon, Google, and Netflix. That's that's what Adam yeah. was getting at there. So the other thing that we should say, and your post this morning on LinkedIn really spoke to this. And it was the idea that our majors are not the be-all end all. Actually, that wasn't your post today. That was your post. A little ways Also back, true, though. <laughs> it was actually my comment. It was my comment to your post that your major is not the eliminating factor that you think it is to get into a tech company.
1: Absolutely. I, I, it's one of the most common misconceptions, right alongside with the misconception of I have to do code to get into a tech company, right? That's absolutely not true. Most of the roles in big tech are non technical. You do not need software background. You do not need experience in coding to do those jobs. And, and that's absolutely right. So the short version is if you find the right position that matches with your skill, the major doesn't really matter as much. Now, granted, the major is going to be a good indicator of where you should be looking to start. It's going to make the transition easier the closer you can get but it's not a barrier or a door or a roadblock. And the post that I talked about this morning is that your ability your ability to create something valuable for the company is going to transcend whatever major or non-traditional background you have. It's the ultimate equalizer. If you can understand how to solve a problem for a customer or a stakeholder or a company and create something valuable in the process to drive a result, you are good. And I tell you that in the 10 years of hiring it different engineering and technology companies, value is the thing that we're coached to look at the most. How did this person create an ROI? What did that look like? How did they think about it? How did they measure the results? And we can kind of go on from there, but you're absolutely right. Major is a part of the conversation, but absolutely not the most important factor.
0: Adam, you mentioned skills. What are useful hard and soft skills that you look for in the entry level? folks that you've hired over the years?
1: And that's a loaded question that we can unpack for a long time, right? If I'm hiring tooling design engineers, it's a slightly different conversation than somebody like a product or program manager. But to kind of keep it general, I I would tell you that I want somebody that can think like a business owner, regardless of the, the specific skill. What I'm looking for, kind of like what I said already, is how did this person think about improving a process. You're coming up with a unique or novel idea, making other people better. Those are three things that at the entry level, I would say you can relate that to a hard skill, but I'm actively looking at that in your resume, right? How did this person do those things? In terms of soft skills, probably the one that sticks out the most from a resume perspective is can you communicate clearly and concisely? I can't necessarily... There's only so much I can get off of a page or two of a piece of paper without talking to you, interacting with you, but I can absolutely see your ability to write clearly and concisely. If you've got three pages, cool, but it absolutely better be action-packed. If you've got student project information and club experience and it pushes you beyond a couple pages, that there's probably a problem. So (laughs) that's an easy one for me off the bat.
0: So we've already touched on majors, and it it sounds a little bit like when we were saying your major doesn't matter, that was more for the non technical roles. For a sometimes. technical, sometimes. Okay. So for an entry level engineering role, are you going to eliminate folks who don't have an engineering degree?
1: No, I wouldn't say that eliminates them. We look at lots of people from non traditional backgrounds that have boot camp experience or certifications or, or even apprenticeships where they've gone through training from a non-university perspective, that is all totally fine and, and on the table. You're not eliminated if you don't have a degree, unless, of course, we ask our recruiting team to eliminate you for that reason. And I would say that that's it's not all that common. Because again, we want good diversity in the candidate pool that we bring in. What I will say again, though, is you've got to give examples of how you're applying skills to do something worthwhile. That, that again, is is the difference maker when we talk about I've got a stack of 60 resumes from my sourcing team on my desk, and they asked me to pick six for phone screens. I don't necessarily care what school you went to. What I'm really looking for is, did you solve the right problem? Did you create something of value? How are you setting up a, your assumptions before you dive into the problem or the work statement? Again, there's a long list of stuff there, but it's the value aspects that are really going to weed, weed people out as opposed to the the educational requirements.
0: Well, speaking of educational requirements, as I mentioned, you went to Virginia Tech, you got a BS in mechanical engineering. And then at some point, I don't know how long after you graduated, you went to USC and you got a master's, an MS in systems architecting and engineering. How important is it, Adam, to have a graduate degree, less so for the entry level roles, more so? To succeed in your field?
1: Yeah, great question. And this is actually one that's commonly debated in my circle. I and mean, when I say my circle, I mean in industry at my level. I would say it's pretty important. Actually side on the, you need the right education to, to continue moving up part of the conversation. then it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have all the degrees to get in, but I would say the degrees make it a heck of a lot easier to move up. The type of degree and and the timing of that degree are important. And again, we can unpack that. But at a lot of big tech firms, there are requirements for MBAs or equivalents to get into certain roles and to get into certain levels. I would also say that take a look at the executives in the business units that you're interested in. It is very rare to see somebody that does not have graduate level degrees or, or higher than that. Very, very rare. So again, we're playing the likelihoods game. Sometimes it's pay to play. If you want to be considered for higher level opportunities, go get the higher level education. Obviously, if you can have your employer pay for it, which is what I did, that is ideal, but definitely does not hurt you and I would say in most cases, once we stop talking about entry level and now we're talking about mid to senior level it it can help
0: so you got a master's in systems architect and engineering. Are you using what you learned in that master's now? at this tech company because I'm guessing you got that master's while you were at Boeing.
1: That's right. Yeah, I did. Man, that's another loaded question. I I would say that the the ME degree I got for my first job. I, I went and did mechanical engineering. I got a mechanical engineering job. I designed tools and equipment. And from there I started to explore different career paths, decided on systems architecture and engineering because it would allow me to work on big complicated systems. My goal at the time was to become a like a chief engineer. And and again, like manage airplane size projects or production system size projects. And and ironically, that is actually what I did. The last couple of years that I was at Boeing, I was managing big production systems for different commercial projects and the additive manufacturing stuff was actually a production system in and of itself where we were turning metal powder into 3D printed parts. So I did that. In terms of what I do now in big tech in the product space, I would say that, yeah, I really don't use the mechanical aspects of my education. I'm not designing tools, and I'm not watching things break, and I'm not doing testing in the same way. I still use a lot of the systems architecture and engineering stuff. Systems engineering, if you're not familiar with it, it, it's a lot of decision theory. Again, it's all about requirements management, how to test things and fail fast, and, and... that might might be the most relevant to my job in some cases where product management is all about treating things like a system so yes it it it's something i use frequently
0: yeah i love that what about life experiences adam so these are the experiences that we tend to have outside the classroom it could be growing up in a large family or being an only child or having traveled lived in other cultures, speaking other languages. What do you think are the most useful life experiences for those who are still in school, maybe to try to cultivate through an extracurricular activity, perhaps, that would make them stand out when they're applying for a job after graduation?
1: There's a couple ways I could do that. I still, I mean, selfishly, I would say everybody should do some international travel. I I think- maybe that's not the answer you're expecting, but diversity, equity, inclusion is such an important part of the hiring process today. The more you can interact with people from other cultures and understand that your bubble is is not how the rest of the world thinks and acts is a good thing. So definitely put that on your list at some point. And obviously, you have to be able to afford that and take the time. So fair point. But I would say add that to your list. The other one is, and maybe this is more relevant for students, but find passion projects, not necessarily side income. Right? I'm not talking about side businesses or hustles. What I'm saying is find project work that you can do that gives you valuable experience in the field you're interested in. And we use this terminology in the coaching world. If you're transitioning into a job that you have no experience doing, and you need something to put on a resume, we can create something what we call a value validation project, which again, you can do some freelance work. You can do some studies on your own. There's no there's no stopping you from using your time to create valuable experience. How the other person or the audience perceives that experience is up to them. But yeah, if, as a student, if you want to build autonomous vehicles, go figure out how to turn an RC car into an autonomous vehicle. Right? I mean, go create those experiences for yourself. And I saw hundreds and hundreds of engineers do that in school. And I've seen hundreds and hundreds of interns that have successfully landed jobs do that to get into industry. It's it's very relevant as a, as a conversation at the student or entry level.
0: I love that because sometimes getting an internship that might give you that kind of hands-on experience is really hard to land. Yes. But there is nothing stopping you from making it happen yourself. And maybe you're doing it with yeah. another classmate or two. You, bring together a little team and you just build it you do you know especially if you're in a engineering program i'm sure there are opportunities for you to get into labs and things like that and get supplies to to try it out adam what is the best part for you of being now a maybe i can call you a former engineer who is in the tech industry
1: the best part again so many ways we could break that down. For me, my favorite part about coming from engineering, where we were building and designing and constructing things, to tech is the freedom to fail. And maybe that's a weird thing that, that I can say, but building an airplane is, 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 a, is a space where we really have to control risk. That's not a thing that can fail, really, ever. <laughs> building a technology that delivers a wellness product can fail. And I think that's the most exciting part for me is the prototyping life cycle around digital health and wellness products or really just technology in general is so different that there's such room to run and freedom to fail fast and experiment and I just love the fast paced prototyping nature of the job that I have. Again, I'm still solving problems. I'm still applying aspects of what I learned in engineering. But if something breaks, people don't die on an airplane, right? And and I like that component of my job.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. Even though you're in the wellness space and you're trying to improve health indicators, mental, physical, I mean, this isn't life or death. What about the flip side? Because every job, no matter what it is, no matter how enjoyable aspects are, there are also other aspects that suck. So what is the part of being a senior manager of product management at a large tech company that sucks the most,
1: Adam? There's not a lot of things that suck right now. I I think in the grand scheme of things, I really do love my job and I'm very appreciative of of the people I work with and the the problems we get to solve. Our technology makes people's lives better. That's pretty cool to say. I miss the hands-on design and creation component of engineering from time to time. That some of that is COVID too. Like every every aspect of my job has kind of moved virtual, remote, and I don't see people as often as I probably would like to. But I miss getting my hands on things and, and testing and putting them together. But but again, I think I'll I'll trade that away any day for the flexibility that this new job brings me. I'm not locked into an office or a specific space and I love that more. But yeah, there are times where I miss making something like I, I used to a long time ago.
0: I would think that reviewing resumes would suck. I mean, I know a big part of your job is reviewing resumes that recruiters have brought you. I just listened to an interview that you did, a live interview on LinkedIn. And one of the things you said is like, you're looking at maybe recruiters giving you 60 resumes that they've narrowed down, okay? And you're picking a handful. That's got to be a grind.
1: It is sometimes. I think you just kind of get used to it, though. I typically get so excited by the process of hiring that reviewing the resumes doesn't really bother me too much anymore. I think also the quality of the candidates that come in 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 big tech is is better. So it's not like I'm pulling teeth to find somebody that's qualified. It's it's easier to get those people. But yeah, there's definitely downsides to the hiring process for sure. Not something I'd put in the it sucks list, though.
0: All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Three final espresso shots, Adam. Yeah. What, what is the best career advice you've ever gotten?
1: The best career advice I've ever gotten. The, the advice that I've tactically actioned in the best way was create a career log. I got that from my mentor in my first year at Boeing. And he said, write everything that you deliver from a results perspective down. Keep track of key names, write their email and phone number, any project work, anything that's worth noting, write it in a career log. And I can tell you that I have carried that same career log with me for the past 11 plus years, and I use it all the time. If I need to write a resume, if I need to write a LinkedIn message, if I need to build content or material, I pull out of that career log. It is something that is extremely valuable to me. So I maybe love
0: that. that. I love that. And so, I would also think when annual reviews come up, you've got at your fingertips your
1: impact. That's right. That's right. It's not hard to recall the data that that I've either created or delivered because I've written it all down. So, exactly. Even company to company, right? I can go back and say, okay, well, that's what I did at Boeing, right? I can do this again. Amazing. Amazing.
0: So, what movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu shows, or books, Adam, do you think accurately depict your profession? <laughs>
1: <laughs> My profession, in terms of the coaching or the the, the product stuff, which the would day job, the day job. Okay, so the product side. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Mandalorian. That's a pretty good description of how product management works. You're kind of like this, this space cowboy combination. And uh, <laughs> you have to defend your, uh, let's say, baby Yoda, which is your product idea from all these other people that want to <laughs> take it out or steal it. So, yeah, maybe Mandalorian is a good, is a good uh, analogy to what I do day to day. I'd like to think that at least, (laughs) I'll I'll feel better about myself.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. We'll drop that uh, link in show notes. Final espresso shop. what would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession, Adam?
1: I think there's a lot of things that would surprise people. Probably the amount of time that I spend writing and or reading research papers. Is, is something that would surprise most people. Product is a cool space, you do a lot of brainstorming, you work with brilliant people from all over the world in different skills, and, and again, I love that. But a lot of it at my level comes to me in the form of a research paper, and I'm again critiquing someone's writing, critiquing someone's idea, critiquing the data that justifies why I should fund what they want me to do. It's a lot of time with paper, so that might be surprising to people.
0: Totally surprising. I would never have guessed that. And also the fact that you would be critiquing their writing. That yeah. I find really interesting. So Adam, as you've heard, has a day job, his night job is Broda coaching. Where can people find you, Adam?
1: You can find me on LinkedIn. That's the best way. I got, you know, I just search Adam Broda and I probably one of the first that will pop up. I also have a website where all of our coaching information is and a detail on our services, and that's brodacoaching.com. Either of those places is a pretty good pretty good chance you'll get me.
0: Awesome. Adam, I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community. This was terrific.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure being on, and let me know if you ever need anything else
0: thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T for C. we